Uh, let's get a few announcements out of the way here. Um, please continue to keep in your prayers uh, Marcy Phillips and their family. Um, her uh, dad, uh, Gilbert, was called to his heavenly home here about a, about a week ago now, I think it was. And a funeral was yesterday. Um, and, of course, uh, Craig is at home recovering from back surgery. Uh, can't work for another four, five, six weeks or something. Uh, just kind of ridiculous. So they've had a lot going on in their family. Um, Don Mansfield uh, passed away this last week as well. So, uh, a funeral was yesterday. Uh, many of you probably didn't know uh, Don. He was a, was a shut-in. Um, and uh, so keep that family in your prayers. Um, let's see. Congratulations. Uh, raise your hand if you're from Carmel, Carmel High School. State champions. Nice job. Great job. Great job. So um, let's not talk about the Lutheran High School game. Our boys played really hard, had a great year, and, uh, you know, that's just sports. Sometimes it comes down to just one point uh, or an extra point at the end of the game. And uh, it's a little disappointing there, but at the same time, very proud of the kids. Uh, did a great job that way. So now it's on to basketball season for some of you. And I don't know what other sports are going on now in the winter up here. We have ho Is hockey big around here? You got to go up to Detroit and Chicago for hockey. So pretty much basketball and yeah, I mean we're in Indiana, right? Basketball. You guys don't sound too excited about that. Um, so on a side note, we were talking yesterday at dinner, and actually somebody caught me after church this morning and said, uh, "Pastor, was it was it this Sunday last year that you moved in?" And I said, "Yeah, it was." It went by that quick. Just cannot cannot believe. So yeah, we we came to move. We arrived Saturday evening. Uh, went to church uh, with you all Sunday morning, and then uh, unloaded the moving truck uh, that afternoon. And uh, so yeah, this this Sunday it's been it's been a year. So anyway, so any booze? Go back. Go back to Nebraska. Thank you for a wonderful welcome. It's been good to be here, and uh, we are, we're working on some good things together. So uh, stay tuned and continue to get involved as much as you can. Uh, use your gifts to serve the Lord. That's, uh, that's the most important thing we can do here as we await His return. Okay, uh, one more side note. Uh, we have daily devotions. Again, we did this last year as well. Actually, we did this for Lent. We didn't do it for Advent. Um, so uh, our Lent devotions this last year were Behold the Man, and now for Christmas, in your mailbox, is Behold the Child. So this is kind of be our theme now through uh, the, the season of Advent. Um, so the devotion uh, started with today's, so pick it up, take it home. Uh, moms and dads, uh, sit down with your uh, children. Uh, it's a sh they're short and easy. It's got a prayer right there for you. And, uh, and uh, please uh, go through that. It'll be a good thing as we study together and pray together as a congregation, even when we're apart uh, in our homes as well. Pastor Grady. I think the uh, Board of Ed also ordered some books that go with that that are children's storybooks related to the Christmas story. And I think they got 25 of them or so. And they'll be available for about nine bucks a piece. So Sweet. if you're interested in that, they'll be probably out here someplace this week or next week. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah, and these uh, devotions and materials are written by uh, uh, Pastor Golden, Reverend Dr. Kevin Golden from Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri. Some of you uh, going through St. Louis have been there to visit before, and uh, good, good, solid pastor and uh, good stuff. So I uh, pray that that's a blessing uh, to you and to your household as well. 
Okay, any other announcements or anything I've missed before we dive into Bible class for today? Got a lot of stuff going on the calendar. Don't forget, Wednesday evening Advent services start this week. I uh, know that's an extra thing on the schedule, but uh, pray that you would uh, take the extra time to come and receive the Lord's Word. Those services will be uh, 30, no more than 45 minutes. And then prior to that, we are going to have a family meal together. Uh, that's in the announcements, so we have different groups that are hosting that. And that uh, meal will start at 6 o'clock. So come join us, uh, fellowship, uh, and uh, it'll be a good thing. Okay. Anything else? Good, good. Going once, going twice. Let's get started. The Lord be with you. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Okay, we are in chapter 6 here of uh, Kurt Marquardt's book, The Saving Truth Doctrine for Lay People. And we are on page 94 if you've got the uh, print copy. Kindle copy is up on the screen for you. And I think we started with this pair or ended with this paragraph last week in an age like ours, top of the page. In an age like ours, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4, when all that is holy, good, and noble is trampled underfoot in a demon-ridden Gadarene stampede into unbridled self-indulgence, the practical implications of holy baptism must ever be kept before our eyes. In all facets of life, whether money, clothes, work, education, politics, cars, entertainment, or anything else, and in every decision involving these, Christians need to strive with their baptism against their flesh, not with the flesh against baptism and the Spirit. Okay? So we don't say, I was baptized. We say, I am baptized. You live daily in your baptism. Okay? And so to fail to recognize that is to completely ignore what God has given you to battle and to defend you against the devil, the world, and your sinful nature, right? The unholy trinity that is always at work. So we live in our baptism, and that's why in the catechism, uh, Luther teaches us we die to our sins daily, right? The old man in us must be drowned and die so that the new man now can emerge and arise to live in righteousness and purity forever. So each and every day we arise now, our sins are buried with Christ, and we rise with Him. How often does it happen? Daily. Okay? Um, or as often as you repent, as often as you believe what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's look at 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4. Did we look at that one last week? I can't remember. There's some good Bible passages here he has in this section. Oh, we did. I remember that one. We looked at that one last week. Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph. There's a lot of law in that one. <laughs> okay, next paragraph. Christ has defeated the powers of hell and freely gives us this liberating victory in baptism. Luther, therefore, would hurl a defiant, I am baptized in Satan's teeth whenever the latter would seek to torment him. And by the power of Christ's gift in baptism, Christians must daily assert their precious liberty as children of God and courageously do battle against the devil, the world, and their own flesh. Okay? How many of you talk to yourselves? 
How many of you talk to the devil? You might say, oh, no, I don't do that. I find myself doing both the older I get. Okay? Uh, the devil can't read your mind like God can, but he sure can hear what you have to say. Okay? Leave me alone, devil. Luther was, <laughs> if you read a lot of Luther's stuff, he'll tell you about conversations. He'll write about his, his, his struggles. And so, you know, you, you can just imagine him sitting in, in his study or whatever, you know, and, and, and Katie wants him to, to go out and plant a few trees in the orchard and, uh, or she's on him because he's given away all of their wedding gifts. Do you remember that story? All their many wedding gifts he would just give away to strangers. And I think as the story goes, there was one last, I think it was like a, it was either a platter or a, or a pitcher, Right, it was either platter or like a pitcher you pour with, and uh, and so he was always entertaining people that would would come to their house. Um, I mean, people of all persuasions. Actually, he actually hosted a lot of Jewish refugees and people that traveled through the area. A lot of people don't know that Luther gets a lot of flack in his writing uh, because when uh, he write he, when he writes, he just doesn't hold his tongue. So he he has a lot of things to say about the Jews. Uh, probably could have said and written them in a much nicer way. Um, but uh, when you measure a man by how he lived, uh, he welcomed these Jews and gave them shelter and food and clothing. A lot of people forget about that, don't know their history. But long story short, someone was in need, and Luther's like, Katie, you know, where, where's this platter or this pitcher? And she's like, Marty, you're not taking our last wedding gift, right? She goes, you've given away everything else, and, you, and I get one thing that I get to keep. And they had like a little argument about it. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if it was President Harrison that, that talked about that story, um, but uh, you, you can just imagine, I mean, if, if forget the fact if you're married, you know what this kind of tug of war is like, not only between you and your spouse, but with yourself. Um, you have your own, you know, sinful nature that each of us struggle with. You have stuff that happens at school. You have stuff that happens at work. And, and ultimately, all the things that are, that are not righteous and pure are not from God. They're from the devil, the world, or your sinful nature. And so let the devil know what's what. I am baptized. Leave me alone. Say that to him. Say that to your old sinful nature to yourself. Okay? Um, and so, yeah, I've become convinced that uh, people that I find talking to themselves are actually not like crazy like most people think. They might be the most sane people ever. Yeah, good. <laughs> because you're, you're, you're speaking now directly to the devil, the world, and your sinful nature. And you're speaking what God has to say. I am baptized, right? Uh, leave me alone. Um, look at how uh, Jesus even deals with, uh, with, with, with Peter, who's got questions now uh, about, uh, well, you know, Jesus. We're not going to let you be crucified or hung upon a cross or, or any of this other stuff. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He doesn't say, get behind me, Peter. Jesus calls out where the source of all that is. Okay? So I think we, we have to, as Christians, make that connection. And then we have to turn to what God has provided for us as a source of strength and a source of blessing in this life, which is why we need to be reminded of what our baptism really means, that it's not just us you know, giving our yes or us making a commitment, or a decision, or a promise, or a covenant. It's something God has actually given to do battle with, right? 
And you can go and read, you know, all that Paul writes uh, to the uh, Christians at Corinth and elsewhere about the armor of God now that is given you, okay? And, and this is how you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So this is all God's gift to you, okay? Questions or comments on that? Amen? All right, just seeing if you're awake. Uh, let's, uh, let's read together the words here that uh, Luther wrote. You know the hymn well. Here we go. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged for air undone. One little word can fell him. And of course, the word, the word is Christ, but the word is also any word that Jesus speaks. So the word now that fells Satan that keeps the devil, the world, and your sinful nature at bay is simply God's Word. Got it? So when you speak something as simple as, I am baptized, okay? When you confess your faith, and I've told you before, when you feel like you're in the presence of, uh, of evil, you know, you get the heebie-jeebies, the hairs on the back of your neck, your arm, you know, you're just scared. Um, say God's name in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, confess your faith. Say the Apostles' Creed. That's why you know, it was taught to you if you were catechized, uh, especially as a youth within the Lutheran Church. Uh, you know, we ask our adults uh, to learn and know that as well, but we don't quiz them quite as much as we do the eighth graders. Okay? Uh, so say God's name, confess your faith, and then say the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus has given you. Okay? All of this is, is God's Word. One little word can fell Him. It's all about Christ. All right, let's talk about the baptism of uh, babies. Uh, infant baptism is uh, historically known as paedo-baptism, okay? Uh, paedo, uh, simply, literally translated, would be a child uh, that can be bounced upon the knee, okay? So any child that can be bounced upon the knee um, is, uh, is kind of that. So when Jesus says, let the little children come to me, uh, when we have all these other references uh, to, you know, um, he who causes one of these little ones to sin, Jesus says, it would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. You know, who are these little ones? Uh, they're they're, they're padaya, which means they're children that can be bounced upon the knee. Okay? So you're talking what? I used to be a pretty big, strong guy. <laughs> I can't bounce any of my kids on my knee anymore. I'm sorry, and and our youngest is ten. Um, I it may, maybe once, but that's not really bouncing, right? Bouncing would be <laughs> uh, up and down. So you're really talking five and younger, maybe. That'd probably be about right, wouldn't it? Six. Um, so these little ones can sin, which which totally shoots down the whole age of accountability. Okay. So literally, and this is why it's important to learn the languages and, and to study Scripture and let Scripture interpret Scripture, Jesus is telling us that these little ones can sin. So if they can sin, what do they need? They need forgiveness. Otherwise, you know, then they would, they would, you know, they would be unaccountable, which is just ridiculous. So have fun with your Baptist friends on that. And, uh, you know, I can send you some uh, Greek references. You can make yourself look smart um, and, uh, and do all that, okay? So infant baptism, just raise your hand if you have any questions, does not stand apart as a separate independent issue. 
Rather, its pros and cons must be settled further upstream in the very question of what baptism is and does. Everything here will depend on what one thinks of baptism itself. And remember, he talked about the low and the high kind of definitions of baptism. If baptism is taken in the low sense of a mere picture or symbol, then of course it will be difficult to see the point of baptizing babies. But if one takes the high biblical view of baptism as a powerful gospel gift, then why should babies be denied its heavenly benefits? Now, while the question about the very nature of baptism is basic, neither should one overlook particular points like these. And the next three points are really right where Luther goes with his catechism. Marquardt just adds a little bit of uh, meat here to the bones, okay? Uh, The first one, let's read the italicized one together, okay? So why baptize babies? A, the scope of our Lord's baptismal command is universal, right? Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, say it with me if you want, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's mandate, okay? Mandate is Jesus said, now do this, and and, and attached now to his mandate is a promise of what he's going to give. First and foremost, the name of God, his name now given to you, okay, which goes completely, uh, it goes along completely with what Paul talks about adoption, right? Uh, so think about if you were, you were, you were married as a woman, um, and not a law that you have to do this, there's obviously reasons for the tradition, you typically take your husband's last name. Why? Why? Oh, you have no idea why you do that? <laughs> My, 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 I have two younger sisters, and I actually didn't know that. I learned something this last week. I went on a short two-day hunting trip with uh, one of my sons and uh, my brother-in-law, um, two younger sisters. The older one is a doctor uh, um, uh, internal medicine uh, down outside of Dallas, and her husband is as well. And uh, he had, he's never, never gone hunting before, but he's always like, oh, I want to go hunting. I want to go hunting. I want to go hunting. So my brother says, we need to take him along this year. And he's like, okay. As long as he goes through hunter safety and he doesn't shoot me, that's fine. Um, and so he did. He went through hunter safety and, and uh, you know, went to Cabela's and got himself some fancy boots and jacket and, and everything. And uh, <laughs> I got a little story. This is a good story, okay? So people are always trying to sell you something extra, right? So now this goes exactly to the point of theology. Some people now are trying to add stuff to baptism that God doesn't speak about, right? So it's just like a salesman. You've got to beware of that. So my brother-in-law goes to Cabela's, and and sales says, where are you going hunting? Well, we're going to Nebraska. Oh, it's cold up there. And he's from Texas, right? So in Nebraska, everybody carries personal heaters with them when they're outside. That's what they told him. Yeah. He said, it's so cold. You You don't want to be outside without a personal heater. And he goes, we have these, these little uh, butane uh, devices that, that you, you fill them with like Zippo fluid and you light it and you can stick it in your pocket and you can get one in your right pocket and one in your left pocket and, and you can stuff one in your socks and you can put one in your neck warmer. And, and this is what all the, all the guys that go hunting in Nebraska, they all have these. I've never heard of the deck thing. <laughs> never seen one. <laughs> All right. Any any hunters in here? 
You're familiar with these devices? No, I'm not either. I don't know how much it costs, but so so he shows up. You know, they 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 uh, he flies into Kansas City, drives out to where we're hunting, and uh, so we're sitting around uh, late Sunday night after we get. Oh, I gotta show you, because I want to be just like you guys. I want to show you this. <laughs> so he pulls this out, and we don't know what to say. We're like, uh, we just kind of put gloves on, and you know, and and an extra layer, a sweatshirt, you know, and. So, but then Tuesday when we did hunt, it was like 40 mile an hour wind, and uh, we got like eight inches of snow, and uh, and, and then it may, maybe seemed like a good idea. <laughs> All I know is he had his hands in his pockets the whole time, which made it hard to hold a gun. But okay, so be careful about adding extra stuff, right? Um, so. People are always going to try and add something to God's Word. That's what the devil, the world, and the sinful nature. They're going to try and sell you something extra, okay? And it, it might be something that's not so bad, but stick with what Jesus says you need, right? So in Matthew 28, baptized, who should be baptized? Goyim, all nations. Jesus doesn't specify. Uh, he doesn't single out babies, he doesn't single out middle-aged people. He doesn't single out the aged and infirm. He just says all nations, all people. And so all nations, all people includes who? Who does, who does all people include? All people. You buy ALL laundry detergent, you're assuming you can use that for what? All your laundry. I mean everything. You don't need to buy different types of laundry detergent. That's their whole sales pitch. Right? You've got everything you need. Okay? Um, and so all nations means all nations. So it's, it's universal. Okay? Well, let's move on here. St. Peter noted, and let's... I did? Oh, oh, yeah, I did. Oh, thank you. Leave it to your wife to keep you in check. Okay, so... so oh, yeah, we were talking... Well, I was talking about adoption and taking the name, Right? Right, so I found out that that my the older of my two younger sisters um, wanted to keep her maiden name. I had never heard this before, and so my brother, you knew that? How come I didn't know that? Was she afraid I was going to get all upset because I probably would have. But so she wanted. So she was the she was the first uh, first person in the McKay family to ever have a doctorate, which is a big deal. Very cool. So she wanted to honor my dad and the family name by being Dr. McKay, right? And so, and that, that's kind of what it came down to. And, uh, and her husband said, no, you're taking my name. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll hyphenate it. And so that, that I don't, you know, ultimately they figured that out. Thankfully, I didn't get involved in it. And you know what? A name is a name. So that's okay, you know, but, but all I would say is just understand why some of that tradition exists. And it has to do, again, with order of creation, biblical headship. It has to understand with now being, uh, you know, made something new. So you've got a new household that is created. Uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his gunaikos, his wife, right? Okay? Uh, not, not his girlfriend, not his best friend, his, his, his wife, right? So, so marriage is one man, one woman, Okay? Husband and wife, as Scripture is very clear about. Many people try and twist God's Word on that one, but we'll stand on God's Word there. If you have questions about that, come talk to me afterwards. We'll open our Bibles. Um, but uh, 
So with, with that new thing that's created, my point then would be is that in baptism, you're now given a new name. You're given God's name. You see that? So, so the, the, the old has passed away, the new has now come. And so in baptism, you're not only clothed with the righteousness of Christ, but He now gives you His name. He adopts you into His family. Okay? So, so your, your old name, you might say, is the sinner, the old Adam. The, the new now is God gives you His name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this, this goes on in Scripture. We've talked about this before, the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name is now written, part of the family tree. You're now part of that genealogy. Okay? And that, that's all the process of adoption, which, of course, the parents have to initiate. Kids can't initiate bap- adoption. Right? So that's another fun punt to talk to some of your uh, uh, <laughs> um, Baptist friends and others, or not even just Baptists, but Reformed who would say, you know, well, kids shouldn't be baptized till they're old enough to decide. Start talking about adoption in the New Testament and say, well, can, can a kid go initiate an adoption? Can they do that? No. Parents have to do that. Okay? So that's exactly what God has done in Jesus Christ. So he now goes and adopts you from the orphanage of sin that, that you've been bound in, right? As Jesus says, your father is the devil. And you're like, oh my, oh, that's so rude, Jesus. Don't talk that way. But Jesus just calls it for what it is, okay? All right. Did I, did I answer that now, Mrs. McKay? We're good. Okay. Any other questions? All right, here we go. So... St. Peter noted that the promise is to you and your children, okay? So this is where we would have, again, Bible does not specifically say baptize babies. It doesn't. It says baptize all people, all nations. And not only that, we're told the promise is for you or the promise is to you, which is now direction, locus, if you will. This This is where God is giving his gifts to you and to your children. Moreover, the Lord himself welcomed and blessed the little ones, whom St. Luke expressly calls babies. And that's that Greek word padaya, again, one that can be bounced upon the knee. So specifically now, Jesus welcomes the little ones, not the 12, 13, 14 years old that sound like, Grandma Devrog here, and they got hair on their lip. Um, you know, they're, they're little ones, okay? Since Christ established for his church not child-blessing ceremonies, but baptism, okay, and so we don't see any of this, this concept of, of this, this dedication. That's even totally misunderstood from temple times, right? So at Old Testament, um, <laughs> you know, the whole dedication thing, you know, you get into covenant churches, and my youngest sister is kind of caught up in this now. They're at a place called Hillcrest Christian Church in Overland Park, Kansas. You can look it up. And, um, and now my, my brother-in-law, I love him to death, just got ordained about a month ago, um, finished his, his kind of online studies, never, never really been to seminary. Um, and, and you know what? He's ordained. They have ordained him as a pastor. Um, and, uh, and, and, I, and unfortunately, they didn't let the rest of the family know this was happening because I think they knew how most of the rest of us confessional Lutherans kind of, we had some disagreements with it. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, ordination's a big deal. Right? I mean, even, even if you, you're still a Christian, and this church has still chosen you to be their pastor, and you still had hands laid on you, so, you know, so we do celebrate and observe that. Do we have some differences? Of course. 
right? So, you know, that, that's still a, a, a sign that there's a little bit of contention. I mean, we get along really well at, at holidays. We just don't talk about theology. <laughs> you, you have families like that too? You know, there's just certain things, you just, certain topics you just kind of stay away from. Um, and when you get into those, it gets really, yeah, really messy. Um, I had another story. I'm, I'm going to save it for later. Okay. I was trying to decide whether to tell it to you, but I'm going to hold off. Moreover, the Lord himself welcomed and blessed the little ones whom St. Luke expressly calls babies. Since Christ established for his church not child-blessing ceremonies, but baptism, it is by baptism that babies must be allowed and not forbidden to come to him today. Okay? So um, Marquardt here makes a very good point that since Christ has instituted this, that this is commanded for all people, this is now the way to let the children come to him. First and foremost through baptism, right? So baptism is universal. It's for all people. Children are included in Christ's command. Okay? Questions on that? B. Let's read it together. Children need the very thing offered by baptism. And I kind of mentioned this early on in my introduction. To Nicodemus, Christ says, not that wickedness sets in with old age, but that, let's read it together, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, right? So just being born and being a human being, flesh is flesh, meaning sinful nature. It's there. Could be the cutest kid in the world, okay? If you've had multiple kids, um, you know the ones that really kept you up at night. And then there's the good ones, <laughs> right? <laughs> And, uh, and then they get older, and maybe they stay that way, maybe they don't, um, but they're all little sinners, every single one of them. That which of flesh is flesh, okay? And if you've been parents, you know exactly, kids have absolutely, babies especially, no regard for your timetable or your needs, right, moms? And I'm picking on the moms here because they tend to have to do a lot more of that work, not that dads don't help with it, okay? Um, I, you know, I really couldn't feed the kids, I mean, I, I just couldn't, wasn't equipped for that, right? Um, and uh, so, and, and, you know, <sighs> so the, the Lord now works according to ways and means. And with us being born as we are, all flesh is flesh and needs to, continue next sentence, to be born again, that is of water and the Spirit. And this is where Nicodemus, of course, doesn't understand this right away. Um, you know, how, how could a man be born again? Um, you know, can't shrink and, you know, honey, I shrunk the kids so they could be born again. Um, no, Jesus is saying this, this is all part of water and the Spirit. So it's, it's all baptismal talk, right? So, so John 3 now prepares us for what Jesus is going to command in, in Matthew 28, or later on in terms of baptism, just as John 6 prepares us for what? Jesus says, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Prepares us for the Lord's Supper, right? So, so, so John 3, uh, Jesus is not instituting baptism yet. Just like in John 6, he's not instituting the Lord's Supper yet. But he's now preparing, setting the stage, building the framework, so that Nicodemus and others now can receive the gifts that he will mandate 
and Matthew 28, and then, of course, uh, on Holy Thursday, Monday, Mon Mandate Thursday, okay? So St. Paul describes man's condition from birth as dead in trespasses and sins. And one of my older sons was asking me, he was having a, a debate with, uh, uh, with a friend of his, uh, not Lutheran, and about original sin and baptism. So take note, one of you older sons. I know which one it is. I'm just trying. Why don't you stand up, Malachi, and we'll have you tell us about your conversation. I try not to single them out, but sometimes I just can't help doing it. So, But these verses right here are really good because they talk about the need now for what God gives. Okay? So use that in your conversation with your buddy. Um, so, you know, our condition is that we are dead in trespasses and sins. That's Ephesians 2 verse 1, okay? Dead means dead. Dead can't do anything, right? Um, so I shot a pheasant this last week, hit it spot on, um, shot pretty decent uh, during those two days. It dropped down, landed in the snow. I walk up to it, uh, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of dropped into the snow, and I pick it up by the feathers, thing flies away. Okay, about how to change my pants. <laughs> All right, so, you know, pull my gun up back to the shoulder, shoot it again. This time it hits the tree. Right, there's an there's a, a evergreen kind of out in the middle where we had it. It hits the tree, you know, you know, and lands and drops down. So I start walking up to it to get it, and I see it standing up under the tree looking like this. And I get up to the tree. And it's nowhere to be found. <laughs> it's not under the tree. I see tracks. Of course, there's eight inches of snow on the ground, you know, with cover. So, you know, there's, there's trails for these, you know, these, this game underneath all the brush. So it had dove down under the snow. No idea where it was. Thankfully, we had dogs with us, right? And so I'm walking around trying to find this, you know, on the, on the snow, you know, and call the dogs over. And, uh, and they finally find this pheasant, you know. And it's still not dead. I shot it twice. Right? And, and some of you <clears throat> may not like hunting stories. So, you know, I stick it in my pouch, and, uh, and we get back about 20 minutes later, and I pull the bird out of my pouch. It's still alive. This bird just refused to die. Now, here's the reason I tell you this story. That's what your sinful nature is like. Okay? Your sinful nature needs to have... Jesus, do what he does so that your sinful nature can die, okay? The problem, however, is your sinful nature, even though Jesus now pays the price for everything for you, your sinful nature yet remains in your flesh, and you're like a bird that just won't go down, and that bird will keep trying to pop back up and come back to life, and even though you killed it the day before, the next day you wake up and you get a sinful thought, you lose your temper, you know, you look at a guy or you look at a girl or you use a certain finger when you're on the interstate, you know, what, you know that's your sinful and it, needs to, and it needs to die. And that's where your baptism comes in. And that's where you also should be talking to your sinful nature, saying, hey, I'm a baptized child of God, okay? Give yourself a pep talk, Right? I'm better than this because I've been clothed now with the righteousness of Christ. And by his power, by his help, you know, I'm not going to let you, you old Marcus. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to let you be in charge, okay? And, 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 and you put him to death daily. Put that bird down, 
Okay, just think of that story. <laughs> Pastor McKay, you know, boom, he's not dead, boom. Yeah, maybe I wasn't such a good shot. All right. Questions or comments there? So, uh, goes on, Ephesians 2, verse 3, we are by nature children of wrath. By nature, children now of wrath, right? So, when Jesus says your father is the devil, um, that's exactly what it is, right? Children, children of wrath. Baptism that's the bath of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And, of course, Titus 3, 5, uh, we have that in the catechism, okay? It's just the right antidote, okay? So now there needs to be um, a bath, and more than a bath, I would say a drowning. There needs to be a death, okay? Uh, and this old Adam needs to be put to death daily. My, uh, my first associate I had, uh, he was a 2013 grad here out of Fort Wayne, and uh, we, we, we called him. Um, uh, to be associate, uh, he was going to be doing, spending half his time working on uh, Hispanic ministry that we started doing out in Nebraska, and uh, uh, has a really quirky sense of humor, and, uh, uh, and and he and I became you know best friends and still stay in touch. All of his family's actually he's from Midland, Michigan, um, so most of you know where that's at if you do the hand thing. All the Michigan people do the, you know, they put their hand up and show you where they're from in Michigan. So he's like. I don't know, like there, or there, whatever. And, um, but anyway, on his desk in his office, he would keep a, a small, you know, one of those tiny mason jars, a small one. He would keep a, a little mason jar filled with water. And then he had uh, some sort of a, a, little, a little doll. It was a, a, a man doll. And, and the man doll he would, he would put upside down in the water. And so whenever he was talking with kids or, or, or people and they were talking about their struggle with sin, he, he would reach over and, and tap this little floating upside-down man that was bobbing up and down in the water, and he'd just sit there and tap it. Okay? And why was he doing that? You're, the old Adam in you needs to be drowned, right? You need to die to your sins. So let's drown out all that sin now with the power of God's Word. Okay, let's absolve you of that. Let's speak God's words uh, that are life-giving words uh, and rescue you from that. And, uh, and I always thought, you know, you know, once he, I don't want to steal his shtick. Once he, you know, and he ended up taking a call three years later. He's in Kansas. And I still haven't got a mason jar with a little guy. I thought, that's a great idea. I love that. So, okay. Uh, C, all right, any questions on B? Let's go to point C. Let's read it together. It is a great mistake to assume that babies can have no faith simply because their conscious understanding and language use are as yet undeveloped, right? So is faith based on knowledge? Is faith based on understanding, right? Uh, no, absolutely not, right? Faith is, is, is simply God's gift. Faith comes from hearing the Word of God. That's why, you know, we don't do like a children's church, um, you know, and we, we you know, we, we don't have, uh, you know, even a special message for the children, okay? Um, you know, which you can do. I'm not going to get into the argument about that. The sermon is for all people, okay? Um, will the children always be able to understand all of it? No. Are there parts of it they'll get? Yes. But what do we believe? Do we believe the Word of God is still at work no matter what? Yeah. And that's why we do the other things. We have Sunday school opening, that we have Sunday school, that we've got, you know, preschool, that we've got other youth activities and that sort of thing, okay? Really, if you're going to do like children's church or children's message during the service, 
you should pretty much offer something for the millennials and and you should offer something for the baby boomers and and you should do something for those that are left from the greatest generation and just forget about the Gen Xers because everybody forgets about us all the time. Um, you know, I mean, you should, you should have something geared then to each age group. So if you're going to single out, you know, one age, and, and I had this, I did children messages for years, right? And, and of course, people loved them because here comes the, you know, the, the two-year-old little girl in the dress, and she's kind of waddling up there. And, and there's the three-year-old boy that's stinky, you know, sticking a tinker toy up his nose, you know, and you, you finally get them all sit down and, and you know, you've you got an object lesson that you're trying to do to them and, and, uh, and you know, and it's got to be pretty simple, of course. And you've always got the one or two smart kids that actually are either old enough or they're the ones that pay attention, right? And so the parents who have these kids are like, that's my boy. <laughs> He's paying attention to pastor. He's answering all his questions. Meanwhile, Tinker, Tinker Toy Kid is over here doing, you know, doing this and, and, the, and the little two-year-old's got the fluffy dress she's never worn before, and she's trying to find a comfortable place to sit down, you know. And um, so you get different ages even of kids, right? And they get to a certain age, they don't want to go up there. You're going to go up to the children's bed. Get, get on up there. Take a little bit. No, I don't want to go. Get you, take a little bit. No, I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm going to beat you if you Okay, I'll go. Um, you know, so no White Castles for you for lunch. Okay, I'll go. And uh, so... <laughs> You, got, you need to do something for all ages then if you're going to separate everybody out. So we're the body of Christ together. And so how does that, how, how does that work? And that's why the church, you know, we did not, the, the, the church originally, all people together. As the church continued to grow, it became interesting. They started to separate the men from the women. I don't know if any of you have ever uh, visited. There's still a, a few churches around the United States that still separate where the men and the women will sit. Uh, we even had some of this in very pietistic Lutheran tradition. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, Jesus had this uh, back in the synagogue. So the, the only the, the men, and you had to be 13 years of age or older. Basically, your, your bar mitzvah, if you want to connect it that way. Um, all the, all, everybody younger had to sit with the women behind basically a, a kind of a, a, a roped-off um, sheltered area that had uh, drapes. And they would still be in there so they could hear it, but they weren't allowed to be seen, you know, or, or sit with it, okay? And, um, and, and, and to me, that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, that's why, like, even for what we do during the divine service, um, you know, if you're, if you're serving, you know, families come up, come to the rail together, okay? As much as you can kind of commune together and not separate that. That's why our, as pastors, whoever's not presiding, we have our family come up so we can kneel with them there at the altar, uh, so receive those gifts together. And yeah, it's going to be a little noisy. It's going to be a little messy. But we believe the Word of God does what it does what it says, period. Okay. And we'll still do some of those other things that need to be done at that age level for the sake of instruction. But remember, Jews seek what? Jews seek miraculous signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But Paul says we preach Christ crucified. We preach Okay? We preach Christ crucified. Okay? So we're not looking for all these other signs. No. We simply speak and preach the Word, and we let the Word do its work. Okay? And a lot of times we want to be in the driver's seat, and we want to do all this. Just let, let God's Word do its work and believe it. Believe that that Word is like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. Believe that faith comes from hearing that Word. And even if you're you know, one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, 25-year-old doesn't understand what's going on, 
the Word of God still will do what? Do what it says it's going to do. It's going to create faith, and it's going to work. Okay? So our faith and trust is in God's Word, His mandate, what He has said. Any questions on that? Okay, I got a little riled up there, sorry. Okay. In no case is faith a human achievement for which adult abilities are required. Faith is a spirit-worked miracle of divine grace in the adult, no less than in the newly baptized baby. Grace alone, right? That's what we say. And even in adults, faith cannot be made completely dependent on conscious intellectual activity. For instance, faith evidently continues in sleeping adults while their conscious minds are closed for repairs, or else they would need to be reconverted every morning. Think about that. Think of some of the dreams you have. I'm just going to stop there. Don't tell us stories, right? And you wake up in the morning, and you're, you ever been embarrassed by your dreams? I can't believe I dreamt about that, right? I need to go to church, <laughs> right? Um, and so, you know, so, wow, do I need to be reconverted again? Do I need to be rebaptized? okay? Uh, well, keep in mind, you mean your sinful nature, you know, is at work, and that's where you have your baptism. That's why Luther says when you get up in the morning, what do you do? Speak God's name, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Start your day in His name, okay? Say the Lord's Prayer. Have a little devotion, okay? I think most of us are probably pretty good about saying prayers when we go to bed at night. Correct me if I'm wrong here. How many of us start our day first thing in the morning with prayer? Like literally you roll out of bread. Okay, good for you. You're going to get to heaven before the rest of us. That's, no, I'm joking. That's, but, but, but yeah, I mean, how many, how many, as soon as you get out of bed in the morning, pray? So, I, you know, am I fair in, in that assessment? I mean, I struggle with this as well. I'm pretty good about saying prayers before I go to bed. But when I wake up in the morning, just don't talk to me. Give me an hour, <laughs> right? Let me go through my routine. Let me get my coffee. And so I don't tend to do, I'll be honest with you, I'd like to tell you that I'm like this perfect pastor, an example for you to follow, but I'm not. Um, you know, I don't get out of bed and the first thing I do is, you know, say God's name and pray. First thing I do is I get up and I use the bathroom, Okay and then I drink a glass of water, and then I go through the rest of my routine, and I end up normally doing my devotions once I get over to church, okay? So still sometime in the morning, read, pray, pray for you, pray for my family, you know, that sort of thing. So I guess that kind of counts. I mean, he said in the morning, but, <laughs> but it, is, it is kind of interesting, I think, where, where Luther talks about that, and um, so, boy, it's tough to change your routine, isn't it? Oof, that's tough. No comments? Anybody have words of enlightenment for us? We'll just keep going then. For instance, faith evidently continues in sleeping adults. Next uh, line, neither sleep, therefore, nor unconsciousness, coma, or mental derangement in and of themselves affect faith. Right? So when we go to visit some of our, our shut-ins, um, and maybe you've had family. I watched this in, in especially in my, mom, my dad's mom. Um, he took her into his home the last four years of her life, and um, she was one of the smartest, most intelligent women I've ever met. Uh, only had an eighth grade education, and uh, boy, she was she was bright. And uh, and the last you know three four years, there there was just nothing mentally there. Okay, um, a woman of great faith, um, and was her faith still there? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, you know, physical uh, forces cannot take away that which God still gives, okay? 
And her pastor still came and even communed her and read God's word to her. What do we believe? We believe God worked through those means and yet preserved her. Okay? Um, and so, you know, f- faith is still there because God says so. That's probably the best way to look at it. Okay? So, at, at the very core of all spiritual life, faith is safely, let's read it together, hidden with Christ in God. That's a good way. Faith is hidden with Christ in God. So, he who created the extraordinary spiritual life of John the baptizer when he was yet unborn, right? Remember, John's now in the womb, and uh, Mary and Elizabeth are cousins, right? Elizabeth is further along uh, than Mary, um, and they meet each other, and... Uh, and Mary greets her, right? And what happens to baby Jesus, or uh, baby baby John in the womb? He leaps for joy, right? Uh, so the word of God now, uh, uh, you know, creates this. So 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 faith is there, and it wasn't just the baby kicking. Scripture says the baby literally leaps now for joy uh, at the sound of the news that Mary is pregnant with the Messiah, right? Uh, which is now fulfillment of Scripture, God's word itself. Okay. Um, so that's fully able to create ordinary spiritual life and board children through holy baptism. Okay? So parents who glibly talk of waiting until the child is old enough to make up his own mind, and that's the one I get quite a bit, sometimes even um, from Lutheran families um, who just uh, haven't been, don't remember parts of their catechism or are so influenced by other you know, non-Lutheran Christians, right? Uh, They need to make up their own mind, right? Should consider this. What would be the disastrous results of not feeding a baby till he can read a menu and choose for himself? Marquardt kind of takes it right where it needs to go, right? So we're going to let them choose for yourself. Well, if you're going to let them choose for yourself in that regards, then how much does that apply to everything else, okay? You're going to let them decide, you know, whether it's cold outside and whether they need to put you know, an extra pair of socks on or a pullover. Do you remember when your kids were little and you'd bundle them up, you couldn't hardly find them, uh, and you're all worried about them being, you know, so cold, and you're like, oh, I don't know if that's enough. We'll put another layer on, right? And then you pick up this, it looks like you're carrying like a blanket, and then you try and put that in the car seat, and you can't get the straps because they got so many clothes on. I, didn't, I don't think about, I need to think more about that stuff when they were little. Um, yeah, God is good, isn't he? Uh, D, let's read this together. Baptism is the normal entry into the New Testament people of God as circumcision was the initiation into the Old Testament Israel. Okay, um, So note how St. Paul connects the two in Colossians 2, 9 to 13. Then let's pull that up, can we, Matthias? Uh, Colossians 2, verse 9 to 13. Okay, So cir- circumcision no longer required. And keep in mind, this became an issue with the Jews who had become Christians. They're referred to as the Judaizers, okay? So, so Jesus established the Christian church on earth. They're trying to figure out now, the Jews have become Christians, how much of the old law are they supposed to fulfill? So they have this kind of thing going back and forth. Uh, there's a little bit between, uh, 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 between Peter and between Paul, um, you know, kind of about this. And, you know, and ultimately it comes down to, that's fine, you can circumcise, it's not going to do anything. If you believe, however, that circumcised, circumcision is still going to do something now that Christ has come, then we forbid it. Got it? So, um, in the same way that if you came to me and said, um, I want to be cremated because I believe I will get to heaven quicker than all the rest of y'all. 
And I'll be like, I forbid you to be cremated. Because that's, that's false teaching, false belief. You catch that? Okay, and then, then there's, there's not, you know, freedom in the gospel. Okay. Uh, is it fine to have your kids circumcised today? Close your ears, boys. All of our boys have been. Okay, why? Medical reasons. Okay, nothing to do with Scripture. Okay, um, so, you know, th- those promises no longer apply because Christ has fulfilled them. So when Christ shed his blood, when he was circumcised at eight days old, for shedding of his blood, by the way, uh, then all of circumcision had been fulfilled. And Christ now gives something new, which is baptism. Okay, so let's read together uh, Colossians 2, 9 to 13. Here we go. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, there's the sinful flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. That's a great passage, okay? So, so you have been circumcised, but the way you've been circumcised spiritually is through your baptism, through your baptism, which is connected to Christ himself being circumcised to fulfill the law, and now his death and his resurrection, okay? Um, so that, that's a great, great passage there. Okay, so circumcision now was to be performed on male babies when they were eight days old, okay? And uh, females always get a little, I always get the question, well, what about the ladies? Well, that's all part of the household, okay? So the head of household now, uh, that which is done for the head of household now applies to all those that are under, uh, you know, his charge, if you will, okay? Um, So uh, the the males were required to be circumcised. Uh, The New Testament is not narrower but broader and much greater than the Old Testament, which was but a shadow of the New, Okay? So we actually have more information, Mark Quarter's saying, in the New Testament than we do in the Old Testament. And I would agree with that because Christ is revealed in all of his works. Okay? And let's finish up with these two paragraphs. Um, if it pleased God, even in the most restrictive and exclusive Old Testament, to receive little eight-day-old babies into his kingdom, how much more now in, in all universal, all-embracing New Testament? And just as circumcision intended for babies was performed mainly on adults when God initially established it, it is not surprising that baptism at the time of institution and in the first generation of the church was given first of all to adults. Yet whole families or households were baptized, Acts 16, 1 Corinthians 1, which normally would have included children of various ages, okay, and also older people. Uh, We also know from history that the Jews at the time of Christ practiced proselyte baptism, okay? Uh, Somebody was asking me, was there baptism uh, before 
John the Baptist or before Jesus instituted it, and, and this would be an additional answer to that. Yes, there was baptism of converts, a Jewish tradition, but not a God-given sacrament, which was administered to whole families, including the babies. Had our Lord intended a different practice for the baptism he gave, he would have had to make a special point of excluding babies. He did no such thing. Lastly, Christ established neither adult baptism nor infant baptism. He simply established baptism. How this sacred gift is to be applied and administered must be determined from what his authorized spokesmen, the inspired apostles and evangelists, teach about what baptism is and does. So proper baptismal practice cannot be deduced by a shallow and logistic reading of unexplained precedent from the book of Acts. It must flow from a believing appreciation of the New Testament's theology of baptism. So, should you have your children baptized? Why? Number one, they're included in God's command, right? All nations, all people. Two, they're little sinners. They need what God provides, okay? Uh, three, they're able to have faith, right? They're able to have faith and, and believe this. Uh, faith is the gift of God. And four, what was Marquardt's fourth point? He says this, baptism is now the entry into the New Testament, you know, church of God. Or simply this, baptism is the means now or the way to come into the church. Okay, initiation. Okay, questions, comments? Good for today. I hope you all had a blessed Thanksgiving. Okay, um, I will see you on the treadmill this week. We work off some of that stuff. All right, let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us again to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you.